1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Good morning to you. Uh, Thanks for hanging out with us. It's our middle show of the work week. And yes, we are now inching, crawling, moving very slowly. But it is downhill and it is toward championship weekend, baby. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. We've got a bunch to do this hour. And you know, I always try to end the hump show with something that will make you laugh or smile or pick you up as we launch you forward into your hump day. So just wait. You may be laughing about this for hours, but it's totally worth the wait. So stick with us through the end of this hour. Wanted to give you an update on Novak Djokovic. He is on court right now in his Australian Open semifinal. Uh, He already had a one-set lead and is closing in on the second set, uh, and so he's on court, uh, and it's it's. I don't want to say it's wide open for him, but he is far and away the favorite now. Still remaining down under, Andre Rublev is his opponent, and he's the five seed. Novak is the four seed. Um, and it's not to say that he's going to walk through the rest of the way, but he is feeling good after dealing with some injuries a little bit earlier in the tournament. He says he's uh, chock full of painkillers and, and uh, anything that can help him get out there and withstand not just the heat and the temperatures, but certainly the rigors of playing extended matches on hard courts. So the quicker he can get done with this match, if he can go through in straight sets, the better for him to continue to have some, some rest and some recovery time. Now, the other quarterfinal that was going on before Novak Djokovic it was between two Americans, and it wrapped up during the first hour of our show. Uh, first of all, want to say a huge congratulations, and we are so impressed with you, Ben Shelton, the 20-year-old college student from the University of Florida, first time outside the United States, first time using his passport, first time competing in the Australian Open, Obvi. Uh, he's just 20, and he's just getting started. He had some really sweet moments in his quarterfinal battle with Tommy Paul. He actually broke him late in the third set and ended up taking a set off Tommy. And so they did have to play into a fourth set. Uh, ultimately, it's Tommy Paul, the other American, who moves on. And he got interviewed on court. This is his first ever Australian Open semi.
3: Yesterday, I was doing a couple interviews and they were asking how it felt to be in the quarterfinals. I was like, semifinals sounds a little better." So, uh, <laughs> pumped to uh, pumped to be there. Um, and obviously uh, really excited for whoever I play on Friday. I mean, making it to the second weekend of a slam, that's uh, every everyone's dream when they start playing tennis, so I can't believe I'm here right now.
2: A lot of attention's been given to Ben Sheldon's story for good reason. I mean, he he's a little bit like the... The U.S. Open women's final a couple of seasons ago, that was Emma Raducanu right, just came out of nowhere. Uh, it was it was that type of a run for Shelton. But Tommy Paul's got a pretty sweet story, too. He's 25 years old. He's from New Jersey. Uh, he was a junior star and, you know, was kind of a slower starter in the pros, but this is his first Grand Slam semifinal. His 14th appearance as a major, at a major, excuse me, so he's just getting started. Uh, his mom was there. She actually didn't arrange. In Melbourne until after he won his fourth round match, <laughs> and so she, uh, so she uh, was like was able to get there in time. So that's kind of cool that he could have family on hand even as far away as it is. So he moves on to the semifinals, uh, and you can you can definitely uh, if you watch, you can definitely see you know, the excitement kind of taking it all in little different personality than Ben Shelton. I'm sure that they'll have this match on later uh, Wednesday, but just a, a milestone for the Americans in general, because they haven't had a semifinalist at the Australian open since 2009. This was the first battle between Americans in a quarterfinal uh, going back to 2007. So, This is amazing, and if Tommy Paul is spearheading this effort by a good group of young Americans, well, it's time. Uh, United States has missed having some dominant men at the top. Uh, We've had Serena Williams. We've had Venus. Um, There are some good young talents in both, both draws, right, men's and women's, but just for the men, it's been a longer drought going back to the days of Andy Roddick and Marty Fish, and I wouldn't say they were blips, but they didn't dominate the headlines the way that we've seen with Roger Federer and Novak and obviously Rafa Nadal. But who knows, that could be changing, and Tommy's right there.
3: This is my first time on this court. Obviously, uh, my first time in the quarterfinals of a slam. Uh, It's actually Ben Shelton's first time leaving uh, the States, so I think he had a pretty good trip as well.
2: (laughs) So good for them. Uh, Congratulations to both of them, but super happy for uh, the United States flag to be part of the semifinals. And it's Tommy Paul who will get to play uh, on that grand stage again on Friday. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Uh, Another really neat moment. The induction into the Baseball Hall of Fame will take place this summer, but Scott Rowland found out on live TV. His family did as well uh, earlier on Tuesday evening. (laughs)
3: that's that's what goes through my mind right there That's, that's, that's 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 my family that's where everything started in my life and 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 that's that's the answer to anything that's happened um and, and we're all here, and we're getting to celebrate this thing. And, and I, I don't know. I You don't think about this. You know, you think about trying to do the best you can and, and, and play, play for your team and, and play the game as best you can. And there's such a long road. I, don't, I, I, I never thought that a Hall of Fame was going to be the answer.
2: Scott Rowland, welcome to the hallowed hall. Uh, Great third baseman, eight-time gold glover. And it wasn't an overwhelming pick. uh, A lot of times, every year, that's a product of who else is on the ballot, right? There was no unanimous Derek Jeter going in this year. Uh, You're you're not seeing that type of a ballot. But 76.3%, he was eligible and on the ballot for a sixth year in a row before he finally heard his name name called, uh, and he did play for four different teams in Major League Baseball. So it, it's kind of a strange question to ask right off the top. He wasn't going to have an answer necessarily, but uh, he played for the Phillies, the Cardinals, the Blue Jays, the Reds in his 17-year career, um, a, a fantastic defensive third baseman, but was also a National League Rookie of the Year with, uh, and then was with the Cardinals when... Well, He was naturally rookie of the year, excuse me, with the Cardinals, duh, uh, when they won the World Series in 06. So he's got a lot of hardware to go along with now, this trip to the Hall of Fame. But I suppose the the cap question must be posed.
3: Right this second, with all this going on, to think about something that specific. I I, I can't, and I'm so appreciative of every organization and all the teammates and, and the fan base. And, you know, it's just four incredible, incredible places that I'm very, very appreciative of
2: maybe it's not the case, but I feel like I've heard in the past that it's actually not the player who picks the cap. It's the hall who picks the cap. (laughs) So it is kind of a funny question to ask. Uh, He he certainly does have a lot of sweet moments and made an impact wherever he went. Um, But, yeah, unusual trip. Uh, Reminds me of our friend Leroy Butler who – had been eligible for a decade and didn't get in until that last traditional ballot. So I kind of think that anything worth having is worth waiting for. And when you've had to wait for it and you have had to have faith and you've had to, to hang on and believe even when it looked as though all hope was lost, then it tends to mean more to you and be that much sweeter. So congratulations to Scott Rowland. And actually uh, one of his former teammates, Joey Votto had a fun message.
4: Scott would think this is so lame, me doing this on video and sharing it with the public. But I have to say a big congratulations to my former teammate Scott Rowland, A.K.A. Road Dog. <laughs> I love playing with him. I learned so much. If any player is lucky enough to have had, to have a role model um, and a teammate like him, they're as lucky as it gets. Uh, I shaped my career, my effort, my work uh, in his mold.
2: How often do you hear a player say, I took pride in defense? and base running. That tells you a lot about what you need to know when it comes to Scott Rowland and his career. Now, I did see that there were some upset members of the Rockies who were spouting off their anger and their frustration that Todd Helton came so close but did not get in. So he had 72.2% of the vote, and, and that didn't sit well. I mean, you, you talked to... Rockies fans are baseball people, and they'll tell you he's the greatest Rocky of all time. Um, he had a 316 career average over 17 seasons. Again, all of them in Colorado. Silver Slugger Awards, Gold Glove Awards, uh, the time at first base. Um, and yet, he did not get in. Now, he he's been steadily climbing. So there's that. You you would expect that he's likely to get there at some point because when he started in 2019 on the ballot, he had not even 17% of the votes. So he's now up to 72%. I would think he'd get in. But, yeah, there was – I'm going to have to go back and, and find the tweet. But a former a former teammate who was grousing on Twitter about the fact that it's because he plays for Colorado because nobody pays attention to the Rockies. They don't have the championship. So they did get to the One World Series in 07, right, and got swept by the Red Sox. Um, they have been there. They've had some seasons in which they've been part of the playoffs and – Um, certainly they have had some incredible players come through. They just don't generally stay very long. And, yeah, the the Rockies don't have consistent winning, uh, at least now anyway. So, So at times you can be out of sight, out of mind. But I do believe that Helton will eventually get in. But congratulations to Scott Rowland. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio. While we're talking about career achievements and career milestones, LeBron James and the Lakers taking on the Clippers last night at Staples Center. And he had a couple of milestones. Now, the the Clippers manhandled the Lakers, uh, even as they wait for Anthony Davis to return. Uh, but LeBron had a career-high nine three-pointers in the game. I never would have thought that that was a the career high for him. I I would have assumed that he had more at some point in a game, but no. Uh nine made three pointers, the most ever in his career, though at one point they trailed the Clippers by 23. So they got they got pasted. Uh there is again this talk that Anthony Davis could be returning even before the end of the week, but at least last night, uh, LeBron was salty. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure which, which one do you think is saltier, the question about Davis, Jay, or the question about the trade deadline philosophy? Because I, that to me seems like a really ridiculous time to be asking after you just got blasted by your crosstown rival, if you can even call it that. Um, anyway, he, he didn't love a lot of the questions that were being posed to him by the media. Um, instead, we'll just hear him talk about the loss. He had 46 points, eight rebounds, seven assists
3: was able to make a few shots tonight, you know, to try to help us um, stay in the game. I mean, the Clippers, they are really good, except, um, exceptionally good when they're when they shooting the three ball, you know. And, uh, you know, tonight they did that.
2: Something else, too, um, that I think it, it, it's one of those obscure stats that you get from, like, a Tom Brady career. But I think it's it's fun to note. It means you've been around for a long time and you're an old man. <laughs> but he has now scored at least 40 points against every franchise in the league. Now that means he's moved around, right? I mean, if you're with the Cavaliers your entire career or with the Lakers or with the Heat, well, then you're obviously not scoring against them. So there is the free agency and the movement. uh, But yeah, it speaks to consistency as much as it speaks to longevity and that there's every team out there every coach of every team out there every GM who has at least one LeBron James nightmare <laughs> from when he torched the Nets against your team. Alright uh, we've done a little bit of football on the show not a ton. I don't even know if I want to go back to Aaron Rodgers maybe one or two cuts we'll do a little more basketball as well. We've got, <laughs> we've got our sad sap of the week before the end of this hour. You do not want to miss it. Trust me. Um, Let me see. Paging through uh, some of my other stuff here. Yeah, there's some it's a it's a it's been a a hodgepodge, if you will, a smorgasbord where football is not dominating the center ring of the circus. So find me on Twitter, a law radio, also on our Facebook page. After hours with Amy Lawrence, I do always go back and attempt to answer some of the quicker uh, questions on Ask Amy Anything, whether it be Twitter or Facebook. So I swear that I will do that on Wednesday. But my sweet girl Penny, uh, you guys were asking about pens. Uh, She is actually headed to the vet this morning. Uh, I'm not sure who's going to hate this more, me or her, because she is not allowed to drink water. My dog drinks water like if she doesn't, she may never drink water again. I mean, she, she treats it like it could be her last hurrah. Uh, so she's not allowed to drink water this morning. She is allowed to eat a little bit, only because she's on insulin, so you have to have food in your stomach to have the insulin. Um, so the doctor had to make some uh, some provisions for my dog with all of her, her health conditions. My goodness, my 100-year-old grandmother didn't have as many health conditions or take as many meds daily as my dog does anyway, I got to blow her into the car and take her to the vet and leave her. She's really not going to be happy about that. Uh, she's going under some localized anesthesia. They're not putting her completely under, but she's got a, I hope it's not a tumor. I, I don't know if it is or not, but she's got a, a growth about the size of a marble that needs to be re- removed from her gums. And the doctor swears it's going to be a quick clip. That's it. She says it, it, she'll just stitch it up and she'll be ready to go. All right, we'll see about that. But uh, it's still nerve-wracking because she's 13 plus and I don't know if it's cancer and and I could end up finding out that it is. They're going to do a biopsy on it. At this point, I would never put her through treatments and surgery. She's too old for that and, and I want her to be happy. And that's the good news. She doesn't even know the thing is there. She has no idea. It's not very big, but she eats everything in sight. She's still happy. She still goes for walks. Uh, it certainly doesn't affect her snoring. She's she's doing plenty of that. Um, so she's not going to be happy that she can't get her morning nap and that I've got to put her in the car. I'm not going to be happy because I won't be able to sleep until I know that she is okay. So, you know, if you would like to send me some fun stuff on Twitter, I, I guess I'll need something to do while I'm waiting for Penny. Oh gosh! What if I fall asleep and miss the phone call, Jay? What am I gonna do? Shoot, that is a distinct possibility. When I am exhausted after working, there are times when I accidentally leave my phone on, and I don't even know. I'll, I'll get to the afternoon, and it'll be like people have called. There's text messages, and I had no clue. What if that happens?
4: Maybe setting an
3: alarm for like ninety minutes or like ninety an minutes. Alarm. I mean, that's, you know, that's gross. I know it is, but
2: that's gross. Ninety minutes. Just just, safety. I'm just going to not go to bed, maybe.
3: That sounds worse.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That sounds even worse. (laughs) The whole thing just sounds bad.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe.
1: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence here on CBS Sports Radio.
4: You are listening to the After Hours Podcast.
3: Bounce pass to Bam, dives in, flips it up, right past Tatum for two, Bam's got 23, and it's 87, 85, the heat within two, thanks to an 8-0 run. Bam knocks it away into the hands of Vincent, kicks it to Bam, he corrals it, gets up, throws it down with authority, right on top of Derek White's melon. Bam wrestling with Williams. He catches the Bam, jumper from the free throw line, then rips the net out of bio with 27. We're tied at 95. Everybody's on their feet. 35 seconds to go. Tyler with the rock. Feed on the logo. Double team on Tyler. Got it to BAM. Bam. Jumper from the free throw line. Splash!
2: He's got 30.
3: This is After Hours with Amy
2: Lawrence. Jason Jackson on Heat Radio. Man, this was quite the fourth quarter for Miami at home against the Boston Celtics. Uh, two teams that have a history and certainly uh, make it rough and tumble when they engage. Uh, a key run that was critical for them in the late stages. A 15-0 stretch, which I don't even think I would have expected that was possible against the Celtics. But... If you consider just two numbers, 15 straight points for the Heat, only 13 points total for the Celtics in that fourth quarter. So they ran out of gas. They did not have Jalen Brown. Uh, They were harassing Jason Tatum. 17 total turnovers for the team, for the Celtics, I mean, as a whole. And, yeah, it sparked that defense for the Heat. And how often do we see that? Uh, we see them use the defense to not only give them energy and and spark uh, points on the other end. They'll use the fast break through athletic, but they take pride in defense. And Bam Adebayo had a big fourth quarter, uh, finished with 30 overall.
4: I think it just really got going in the third and fourth quarter. You know, <clears throat> uh, coach has done a great job of, you know, emphasizing giving me the ball, and I'm just taking a, taking advantage of my opportunity.
2: There was a moment in that fourth quarter late stages um, game still kind of hanging in the balance there where Jason Tatum gets up, takes the ball, brings it up court. Joe Missoula chooses not to call a timeout and Tatum gets double teamed, tries, tries to throw a pass over the top and it was a it was a lob pass, but it was kind of going back cross court and it gets picked off uh, and he was pretty upset at himself for that moment for that decision.
3: It was just a bad read. Uh, they double where I rolled to the basket, uh, and I should have just threw it to D. White in the slot. Uh, you know, throwing a cross-court pass that late. That time of the game is pretty risky and uh, backfired on me. But they trust me in that situation to make the right play, uh, regardless of being double teamed or not. Uh, you know, I can't let us down like that and, and not even give ourselves a chance really, you know, to win the game.
2: Now, his coach took the blame there and said he put him in a bad situation, but it's Jason Tatum. I mean, he's, he's got handles, and he's one of the best players in the league, and so I appreciate that he is taking responsibility. Man, it was quite the atmosphere, and these are the types of games. I know it's January, but these are the types of games where you can kind of gauge where you are, how you are, and you go toe-to-toe with the best. You come away with a win. You kind of feel good about yourself.
4: It's the heat, heat Celtic rivalry uh, from history of when you know the Big Three was here. So I feel like a lot of people still carry that weight on their shoulders. So you can feel the the aura is different uh, through the day. The energy of the game is different, and obviously they got fans that travel. So you you hear the Celtics fans
2: when he said the Big Three. I instantly thought, which one? <laughs> Now my big three is different than his big three. Okay, so I'm assuming he's referring to the more recent big three. But but is he referring to the Celtics big three or to the Heat big three? Right? Is he referring? <laughs>
3: At first, I thought KG and Paul Pierce. I really did, but I think he's. I think the Heat is what he's.
2: Well, KG Paul Pierce, would you put Ray Allen in there? Ray Allen, I mean, yeah. okay. So I that's what I thought initially is he's talking about the Celtics big three, and then I went, which one? But then it dawned on me he was probably talking about LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosch. Man, does that feel like generations ago?
3: About a decade.
2: Oh, I feel like it's been longer than that, is it now? Oh, maybe not. Oh, uh, 2000... wait a minute. Hold on. So one of the first NBA finals I covered here at CBS Sports Radio was the Ray Allen, well, the Game 6 three-pointer Heat and Spurs, right? Um, I think that, was that 13?
3: I believe. I, I'm pretty sure they all went there in the summer of 2010. So that would be the 2011-12 season was that first year of the of the big three, of the Heat. So, no, if they, and they
2: went in 2010, it would be 10-11. Regardless, they went to yeah. four straight NBA Finals. They won two titles, but I'm saying like the that particular battle against the Spurs, the Heat and Spurs. I think that was 13 because Ray Allen had that ginormous three in Game Six. Right, they ended up winning, forcing Game Seven. But then the Spurs returned the favor. Of the or maybe it was 12 and 13. Shoot. Okay. Just, yeah. Just don't uh, don't quote me on that. But it, but you're right. It was about a decade ago. Man, it feels like we've lived a lot of life in the NBA since then. <laughs> <laughs> it's after hours, CBS Sports Radio. Uh, speaking of superstars in well, and, and big threes, though I say that uh, tongue-in-cheek and use the term loosely, it was supposed to be a big three with the Nets, was it not? Uh, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, we all know about that history. I don't need to tell you, but I think something that's worth noting, Kevin Durant, while he is still one of the best players on the planet when he's healthy since he got to Brooklyn because he was coming off of that. Well, the two injuries with the Warriors uh, in his last finals with the Warriors, it's been tough for him because he's gone through some injuries that have kept him off court for fairly extensive stretches. Uh, and so he spoke on Tuesday and just, you can hear it in his voice. Many not he, ha- he can't stand watching, but it's going to be a couple more weeks.
3: I want to play tomorrow if I can. So that's my, that's what my sense of urgency is. Uh, uh, obviously, I don't want to rush anything. I want to make sure I'm 100%. But, yeah, I want to play. I want, uh, I want to play as many games as I can.
2: Yeah, he's he doesn't do well sitting back and watching. That's uh, not a space that KD occupies patiently. But I understand I wouldn't either. Uh, and, and tough for him, too. Well, I guess he hasn't technically. Has he technically been ruled out for the All-Star game? I I mean, he's supposed to be two more weeks, right? So I guess they're kind of going two more weeks, hit or miss. Um, Is he not an All-Star? I suppose there's a chance he could be voted an All-Star. Oh, he is an All-Star? Okay, so he wants to play in the All-Star game. Not sure it's possible. But, yeah, the fact that it's got some history for him.
3: I miss going back to Golden State, but. My previous home, so it's been three years since I did that. And, you know, so you see all this stuff pass you by, you know, from being injured. You know, so I want to participate in everything. But, you know, I know I got to take my time and and make sure I go through my rehab right to get back
4: out on the floor.
2: All I see about All-Star games these days with the headlines is how many ways they're tweaking them. right, so we're going into this All-Star Competition for the NFL, like the Pro Bowl, it's Pro Bowl competition, Pro Bowl skills now with all kinds of crazy games. Like you're at camp, the NFL players are going to camp to play dodgeball and flag football. I mean, these are the types of things I did at camp when I was a kid in school. Okay, uh, the kind of rec sports I did when I was in college, that when I had free time. Uh, and now the NBA is planning on tweaking its format, but they do this crazy draft thing where they've got the captains. I mean, the Mannings are the captains for the. NFL, but they've got captains and they draft their starters and it just, I don't know, I guess it's could, it could be fun made for TV if you're into that kind of stuff, but it just, it feels like it's too hard to follow the more tweaks and changes you make, the less people can follow along. So it it, just take my word for it. It's all supposed to be made for TV and to try to keep people interested.
3: Yeah. So this year actually they are, making a TV event on TNT right before the game. They're drafting the rosters, um, literally right before the game. So we won't know the teams who's gonna be playing together until a half hour before it starts. No. I guess that's interesting. Weird. I don't know.
2: That's <laughs> it's weird is what it is. It's like it's just weird. Uh the Nets certainly miss him. Uh they're not the same team without him. But he he does believe in them. He's supportive. Uh he's not going a wall. in other words. And um, def Yeah, definitely uh, want to see him back on the court. I just, I can't help. This is just me. I'm going to be honest. They, he picked this. Well, and then he tried to get out, but he's still there. And I just, I don't, everything I hear from him and Kyrie these days, I always filter it through the lens of, I mean, you said something different six months ago, <laughs> right? Like you tried to get your care. coach, you <laughs> You tried to get out of town yourself. That didn't work. So then you tried to get your coach and your general manager run out of town. Uh, I, I don't really, I don't feel the team loyalty from you, Kevin Durant. Like, that's that's not what I think of when I think you. I do not think loyalty to the Brooklyn Nets. Nah, I think a means to an end and probably some remorse for signing that contract because otherwise you'd be somewhere else. Is that snarky of me? Come on, bro. I'm, I'm trying to forgive and forget. It's just, it's not really, it's not coming naturally. Now, every time I hear him talk, I think, you want to be somewhere else. You tried to get your entire staff fired, and and now you're going to pretend like you love Brooklyn? Okay. At least James Harden had the integrity of sorts to admit that he didn't want to be there anymore. (laughs) At least he bailed. Like, he was true to himself. Kevin Durant wants us to believe that he's so happy there with the Nets. Oh, so happy. Oh, so happy. All right. On Twitter, A Law Radio, and also on our Facebook page, I'll go back and I'll answer some of your questions, uh, not the stupid ones. When your when kindergarten teacher said to you there's no such thing as a stupid question, she or he was lying. I'm just, I mean, we're adults now, right? We just don't tell your kids that. <laughs> I'm teasing. Here's our latest sports update.
1: He's an idiot.
2: Sort of. Oh, did you just play that in front of Sorry, Brad Heller? Brad. That, was it. Brad, that was not me. I just want you to know I cannot reach the buttons from where I am. he That was all Jay, and I apologize for him. I apologize you, for him.
4: He knows I can hear him, right? He knows I'm listening, and uh, I can hear I, I
2: mean, apparently he forgot for a second yeah. there. I don't know. What did you do to him this morning? Well,
4: I don't know if we want to get into it on the radio. It's a long story. <laughs> he might have felt sledded in the hallway. I can't confirm <gasps> or deny that.
2: We're... we're Oh my gosh, did you tell him to put his shoes back on?
4: I mean, <laughs> look, <laughs> we discussed this last week. <laughs> yes. Shoes off while you're sitting down. When you get up, you got to put them on.
2: Seriously. Well, then you know what? Uh, I'm on your side. I'm Team Heller. That's All it. right. That's right. So take God that number. idiot comment and, and <laughs> shove it.
0: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend
3: today. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
4: After Hours Podcast. You're listening to
3: After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Firing for the end zone. Touchdown.
4: Touchdown. Takes it himself to the pile. On. Touchdown. One man to beat him. He's gone. They throw in the end zone. A touchdown. Peter hey, a guy this He's inside the five. He's to the 3 to one Sobs the center is into the end zone. Touchdown. The people have spoken, and one score stands above the rest. Here is your TD of the week.
3: The Cincinnati Bengals. Joe waits for the shotgun snap. He catches. Pump fakes to the right. Oh, got throws to the, got the end zone. It is caught
0: <laughs> by Hayden Hurst.
3: Touchdown. Bengals. Burrow sucked the Bills in with the pump fake, and Hayden Hurst was wide open
0: at the goal line. We're built for this. We're built for this. You know, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks about us. Uh, we don't care who's favored, who's not. Um, we're built for this, and, and uh, we're excited to go on the road to Kansas City.
2: You better
3: send those refunds.
2: Oh, Zach Taylor, Joe Burrow, your choice for TD of the week. Actually, Jay and I were a little surprised. We thought it might be Mahomes on one leg. It might be the only touchdown the Niners scored in what was a tie game against the Cowboys. Nah, you guys went with Dan Horton, Dave Lapham, second touchdown of the game. But honestly, it was fire for the first 11 minutes. They were melting the snow with their offense. That's how hot it was. Over 100 yards, two touchdowns, over 100 yards passing, two touchdowns for Burrow, and then the fourth. 14-0 lead in the first 11 minutes. Meanwhile, uh, it was an overwhelming time of possession because the Bills had just a single three and out. That was it. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Thank you so much for voting in all of our polls, including TD of the Week. By the way, Brandon Bean, the general manager of the Buffalo Bills, was doing his exit interview on Tuesday, and he was asked about the Bengals and their front office and how they got to where they are.
4: Well, they have a good team. I mean, I um they right now are on the advantage of a rookie quarterback contract. And, you know, they had some lean years and without getting too much into their build. And, you know, I don't want to suck bad enough to have to get Jamar Chase. Like, he's a <laughs> heck of a talent. I'd love to have him. All right, but that's one way to look at it. <laughs> you got to go through some lean years to do, to do that. And, you know, they, you know, they were able to get Burrow one – and I don't remember where Chase was drafted, but it was pretty high. Like, and those guys are on their rookie deals. We're paying Stefan Diggs a pretty hefty number. We're paying Josh Allen a pretty hefty number. So there is the constraints of the cap. Um, but they have, a, they have a really good team.
2: Right, so I I understand his point. And and yes, Joe Burrow, number one overall, and the very next draft. And remember, Burrow tore his ACL his rookie season. The very next draft, they get Jamar Chase, number five. Uh, I mean, think about the Jaguars. They went back-to-back with the top two picks. So talk about lean years. You're welcome, uh, says Urban Meyer. Anyway, I I get what he's saying. And, And to have that kind of star power available to you at the top of the draft is the exact reason why the nfl sets it up this way now they're worried about tanking so we could be going to a lottery i guess we're not there yet but the the point is that this is how they keep a competitive balance Um, but it is strange to hear brandon bean talking about joe burrow on a rookie deal right because it feels like he's been around for a lot longer side note any chance you think his contract could pay him 60 million a year Holy crap. If Aaron Rodgers is making $50 million a year, let's just say for the sake of argument, I'm not picking them, I'm not predicting it, I don't know, but that they go to the Super Bowl a second straight year, maybe they win it, maybe they don't. He's, what, three seasons in? They've got two division titles. They've got, would have two Super Bowl appearances, but at the very least, they've got two AFC championship games. Rodgers is making $50 million a year, and he's about to age out, well... Maybe. What in the hell do you pay Joe Burrow? Just, whoa. It's going to be north of $50 million per year. It's going to be humongous. And that's kind of what I keep thinking about the Ravens in the same division. What do you do with Lamar Jackson? I love Lamar. I think he's great. I, I don't love that he wasn't with the team for the playoff game. But I don't think he has the longevity or the offense has the staying power to, to commit that kind of money. I mean, Joe Burrow can move, but he's a pocket passer. Ultimately, that's where the league comes back to. It's After Hours on CBS Sports Radio. Good stuff with Brandon Bean, actually. He was also asked whether or not the Bills are in the same class as Bengals and Chiefs. His answer was so wise. If you missed it, we've got our podcast, uh, complete version of the show, fewer breaks. Uh, also, one more about... Josh Allen specifically, because of the turnovers. He had 14 interceptions and eight fumbles this season.
4: There's probably some some turnovers that, that he would tell you, nah, I can't put the ball in harm's harm's way. But we also see those plays that he makes, no, 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 oh, what a play. And so <laughs> you have to live with that a little bit. I mean, he he's just such a unique player that if you're going to, you know, pat him on the butt for the wow play, you got to overlook that sometimes just trying to make a play, he's going to throw back across traffic.
2: It's smart, right? You don't want to harness Josh Allen. You don't want to muzzle Josh. That's weird because that's more about your mouth. But you don't want to limit what he can do. You don't want to put limitations on him. Restraint, so to speak. (gasps) A restraining bolt like you do with droids. (laughs)
4: <laughs>
2: Very nice. you don't want to put a restraining bolt uh for those of you who get the reference on josh allen which means you sometimes have to take the good to take the bad right and he did have combined this season over 5,000 yards uh he also had 42 touchdowns so 42 touchdowns versus 42 giveaways or 22 giveaways i'll take that uh you all picked the bills though as the team that had the most disappointing end um held up against the dallas cowboys i was I wouldn't say surprised because I know this is the narrative around the Cowboys. But to call the Cowboys loss against the Niners a collapse or a choke, as in we knew they would collapse, we knew they'd choke. What part of the Cowboys loss against San Francisco was a collapse or a choke? You know they lost by a touchdown, right? And they were tied even after Dak had thrown two interceptions. They were tied 9-9 to in the second half. Nothing about their game against the Niners was anything except for gritty and tough and physical. And ultimately, yes, the Niners are a better team and they prevailed. But a collapse? That's just stupid. Don't don't fall for these fancy narratives and these fun buzzwords that give you clickbait. The Cowboys-Niners game actually averaged 45.65 million viewers, which means it peaked at higher than that. How about that? Most-watched divisional round game since Packers and Cowboys six years ago. You want to know why we talk so much about Dallas? Because they moved the needles, baby. Second-most watched on record. Um, and so, yeah, you're, you're talking about the whole picture here. Um, but for more than 45.5 million viewers on average. Uh, it peaked. Here you go. This is divisional round, you guys. We're not even in the championship round yet. The Niners' victory peaked at half million viewers (laughs) the NFL it's it's obscene I mean it's it's totally it's uh, insane and obscene At that point, there was one touchdown in the game, one touchdown in this game, and there are 51 and a half million viewers. (laughs) Holy crap. Think about what championship weekend has in store for us. All right, we promised you some fun stuff, something to make you laugh. Uh, Now, this is, it's cringy, but it's also funny, and I I hope that you will enjoy it. We're going to not give this woman a name. (laughs) She has one. We're not going to reveal it, I kind of feel bad for her, but she is a, a special guest on our show
4: after hours sad sap of the week
2: oh yes she is a fox 5 news anchor in dc and someone did not do her research or or someone gave her false information either way she's talking about hockey and and butchering names Former Washington Capitals coach Bruce Boudreau has been fired by the Vancouver Can- Canucks. The team announced the change Sunday, less than a week after president of hockey operations Jim Rutherford said major surgery was needed to fix the Canucks. Rick Tukit was hired as Boudreau's replacement. Tukit, so Boudreau and Tukit. Okay, here's the thing. She may be a news person filling in on sports. You know, this happens a lot in local news. They're cutting people, so they don't always keep a sports department. But can't uh, Google it, for heaven's sakes. If, and she's clearly out of her comfort zone because of those strange pauses and, the, like, the sing-songy. Vancouver Can- Can- Canoops. canoes The canoe. Can- the, uh, like, sing-songy way that she delivers those those lines, she clearly has no idea what she's talking about, so she's trying to dress it up with, like, this anchor speak. Oh, and no one helped her because an hour later, it was even worse. And former Washington Capitals coach Bruce Boudreau has been fired by the Vancouver Canucks. <laughs> the team announced the change today. Rick Tukett was hired as Boudreau's replacement. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can laugh because I definitely mispronounce names. I'm not telling you I don't. But here's the the difference between me and our sad sap of the week. I try. I try to get them right and sometimes just don't. I research them. And, and if I don't know how to pronounce or spell a name, I always look. She just, somebody handed her a script or put it on the teleprompter and said, read. Rick and took it. She had no idea. She was not prepared. So maybe it wasn't the fact that she didn't do the research. Maybe it was that she had no time. They just said, read. This is in the D block. Go. <laughs> and she she was woefully unprepared. And like I said, I'm not going to name her. She is the after hours sad sap of the week. Bruce Bedro. Bedro. Two kit. I think that might be my favorite. Or no, 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 come on, the canukes is the best. The canukes, I, I suppose in some places that is the accent that would it would give you canukes. No, the canukes.
3: Well, maybe somewhere on this planet,
2: sure. <laughs> in Mar- maybe on Mars. I actually feel bad for her, but why did anyone help her? An hour later, maybe nobody in the building knew oh. it's the Canucks and not the canukes.